What you saw was a place where the best and the brightest people in the world came together to actually change it. Hey everybody and welcome to the Underrated Podcast. This is a podcast where we discuss films that are underrated, underappreciated, or ones that have just slipped under the radar and passed most people by. This show is a collaboration of friends and together we are the Undercast Company. In this episode, we're going to be talking about a movie called Tomorrowland. This is a movie about a girl, Casey, who stumbles or more so is chosen to see a futuristic alternative world where once everything technologically possible was a reality. This Tomorrowland encapsulates the vision that Walt Disney and his original Imagineers had imagined for a great, big, beautiful tomorrow. Um, Along the way, she meets a now disgruntled disgruntled, um, once upon a time dreamer um, that has been thrown out of this promising world after creating the machine that predicted impending dread and has a pass with an android named Athena that has recruited Casey. Um, and together they chose to stop a future that does not happen and was actually put in motion by people who want control over their well-being of their fellow humans or fellow, yeah, fellow humans. Um, so that's something that sound, might sound familiar in um, today's society. But this movie was directed by Brad Bird of uh, incredible um, fame. And... Um, and he also wrote the screenplay alongside David Lindelof of Lost Damon, Fame. Damon Lindelof. Damon Lindelof of Lost Fame and mm. and a couple of other geeky things as well. Um, My and, guy. and Jeff Jensen. And, and Jeff Jensen. And um, the story, this the story's message has only increased in relevance. Um, that while the world has many ways of presenting us with negative things especially in mainstream news broadcasts it has equal amounts of great things that we only see that we only need to see to remind us of the things we should truly be fighting for and that a bright future the bright future that disney envisioned is still possible to have so i wanted to just get that whole thing out there because i took a lot of time as you can tell by my speech right there this is um my choice of of a big swing of which is our this month's um theme we're doing a theme month this this year and um big swings are essentially movies that fit a criteria that is um a new world building. So it has to be an original kind of movie concept. Um, just basically, yeah, swinging for the fences. Uh, Derek, did I leave? I think I left a couple of things out. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so, yeah, movies that are like you did a pretty good job. I'll just kind of, um, it's a concept that I kind of came up with for us to talk about here. And I, um, but they, yeah, they're movies that are not based on any pre-existing film franchise, so they can be adaptations of, like, you know, a novel or something, but it's not, you know, an adaptation, like a sequel to something else. So Tomorrowland is actually one of the first ones we've talked about that is a wholly original thing, even though it takes its name from a theme park area. Um, They have to be really expensive, so in the nine figures, so, um, you know, over $100 million. 
Um, they have to have world building, like you said, and they have to be kind of bonkers. This one isn't as weird as some of the mm-hmm. other ones we've talked about, but I think it is still kind of like has enough of that bonkers kind of like there's there's some weird enough weird shit going on in Tomorrowland to kind of qualify it for for this kind of this type of big swing movie. Um, yeah, and they're yeah. also and they're also noted by um, a good amount of CGI. Also, is like yeah. a good telling point of of the st- of the movie being a big swing. But anyway, mm-hmm. um, yeah. So I I chose this movie. Um, oh, before I get too far ahead of myself, like I always do, um, let me introduce you to my um, co um, podcasters here in this episode. We have my my brother. Hi. Um, we have Alan Torres. Hey, what's up, guys? And we got Derek Maduff. Hey, good to be here. So, um, I want what do you guys think about it? Um, you know, let's get this thing started. Um, do you want me to go first? I can go. Yeah, go yeah, ahead. Go well, um, I'm not gonna lie. I think all these big swings, I'm just loving them. Uh, I'm, I'm enjoying every <laughs> single one. Tomorrowland. This one was a lot of fun. I had been wondering. I actually wanted to watch this one again. Mm-hmm. Just didn't have the time or, or something happened where I didn't get a chance to go to the movies and I dug it a lot. Like everything about it was great. It was fun. Uh, I kind of, I definitely had that cool Disney feel to it where it wasn't so, I don't know. It was, it, it has that like magic to it that I really liked. Um, I really liked the story. I liked the whole, like that Tomorrowland's this whole kind of own dimension for all these people who are creative or, you know, smart or artistic and everything to come together and build like kind of a perfect future world. So like that, that whole world building stuff was like awesome. I, I loved it. Um, I'm kind of glad that I figured out what the whole, the, the little pin was. Cause I was, every time mm-hmm. I saw the trailers, I was like, how does that work? So mm-hmm. if she falls down like stairs, does she, does she fall down in Tomorrowland? And then finally they explained, Oh, it's like a commercial for Tomorrowland. And I was like, ah, oh, okay, cool. I was like really worried about the logic, but yeah, made sense. Uh, the acting was great. I think there is a little bit of bonkersness in the the fight scene in the the sci-fi store with Keegan Michael Key. Like that that scene completely came out of nowhere, but yeah. it was it was well it was welcome though. It was pretty dope. Me and my girl were watching and we were like seeing this little android kick, like kick ass. We're like, hell yeah! All right, I'm in it. Like I'm invested for sure. <laughs> I just want to see this little girl beat the shit out of people. Yeah, and, uh, and other robots, but yeah, I I, I really enjoyed the story. Um, the only thing I, I was kind of like a little underwhelmed with was like kind of the the like the climax, like the finale. Mm-hmm. Kind of felt very just like I don't know, because like, they were kind of really building up. They're like, we're going to go back to Tomorrowland. We're going to fix it. We're going to do all this. And I was expecting this really really big climax, and it was like it was good. It wasn't bad. I was just kind of like, oh, all right, well, you know, because it, it was just. It kept hyping it up the whole time, but I mean, the opening scene of like her going into Tomorrowland, then you could see Space Mountain in the background was really cool. But yeah, overall, like I, I enjoyed it. Like I said, my only really complaint, small little nitpick, was I felt the climax was a little underwhelming. But other than that, it also didn't feel like it was trying to reach for a sequel. Like it kind of felt mm-hmm. like it was just its own thing. It could have been its own thing. Like, you know, they're sending out all the little androids or whatever out to go recruit people. And I was like, yo, that's cool. Like, it, it left it 
had a perfect ending where it could either be continued on or just you're left off and you kind of go, yeah, I know what to expect. And there's a happily ever after, I guess. But yeah, yeah man, I, I, I dug it. I dug it a lot. It was fun. Yeah, um, I really, really enjoyed it too. Um, I thought, it, I, I, I love movies that are just kind of like set in pessimistic worlds that are people are still optimistic in them. Like, so they don't, the movies themselves don't feel necessarily very saccharine, but it feels like the people in it still believe, like have all this hope and stuff like that. And I really like that, you know, the kind of, the doomsday thing is kind of a self-fulfilling pro- prophecy. Like it's, you know, the world is going to end because people are telling us that the world is going to end. So it just kind of creates itself on a loop, feedback loop. Um, and I really liked that. It's just kind of like the ending is just kind of like about optimism and stuff like that. And I, I got really emotional, you know, at the end when, um, what, what's her name? Uh, the robot girl, um, Athena. Athena, thank you. Sacrifices. I've really, he mm-hmm. was great by the way. Like I had not really mm-hmm. seen her. Anything. She, her. All the actors in like, um, Casey's great in this, obviously, George Clooney kills it. Um, Hugh Laurie is a really good bad guy, I think. Um, and it's good to hear him do his British accent because I don't think he does a very good American accent. So it's good when he is actually doing his real accent. I mean, a house? <laughs> yes. Is that good in house? I mean, I like I, he's, a good, he's a good actor in house. Yeah, I love he, house. He's, he's got the... It's just it good like, hearing him be yeah, real. He's, he's, yeah, he's mm. got the... It's, you know, I think I, his, when he's using his real voice, it really... Um, com- his like menace and everything kind of comes through a lot better um but yeah i I really dug it um and uh like ariel said this is done by damon lindelof who is probably one of my favorite creators working today um you know in the television and film landscape i'm i won't shut up about lost whenever we do these podcasts so obviously as soon as as i saw his name in the credits i was like i wonder if derek will like this (laughs) (laughs) yeah but yeah, yeah um, all it takes is is either David uh, Damon Lindelof or uh Ryan or Ryan Gosling. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, there's definitely some like Damon Lindelof movies where you can tell like, oh, this is a movie that he just kind of like he was and this is something I've heard him talk like talk about in interviews where he's like there's some movies where it's like a Damon Lindelof was brought on to like kind of punch up a script to be part of a team and there's some movies where it's like, yeah, this is a Damon Lindelof movie like mm-hmm. Cowboys and Aliens, he just kind of like came on to like that doesn't feel like a damon lindelof movie or like mm-hmm. star trek 2 doesn't really feel like a damon lindelof movie but then you have something like this or like prometheus and like those are like very damon lindelof and this really was and i actually when it came out i didn't even know that it was damon lindelof i just knew that it was directed by brad bird so i really wanted to see it because of that and for whatever reason i just never really got around to it um, and then when Disney Plus came out, I was like, cool, I'm going to finally get to watch it. And it's still not on that because of the rights and stuff. So I just never got to see it until Ariel, you suggested we do it for your big swing. And I was like on board 100% because like this. Yeah, I, I, I really love that kind of like these are two creators that I wouldn't naturally pair up together, but it makes so much sense. I really like Brad Bird's kind of like retro futuristic stuff that he does in The Incredibles. Mm-hmm. Um, and it really came through here all the kind of retro futurism in tomorrowland there's lots of really cool kind of callback call outs to stuff if you're like a really big disney fan that you might pick up on like for example when they're like on the rocket ship in the eiffel tower and you that goes up kind of by the moon it's kind of a reference to the original french space mountain which was 
based on the Jules Verne from Earth to the Moon, and like it's so it's kind of like based on French Space Mountain because it's in it's, France. It's also uh, actually a bit more based on the original, um, one of the original Tomorrowland tentpole rides of Journey to the Moon, or then later on Journey to Mars, um, which is essentially just like a you're you're riding in a giant rocket and there's a big screen in the middle. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's kind of like a t- a twist on both those ideas, mm-hmm. a little bit more of the Journey to the Moon. Um, and essentially, yeah, there's like so many. I'll, I could go into it. Yeah, yeah, I, but like, but yeah, yeah, that's why they have like Jules Verne is like on that council mm-hmm. or whatever. They're like with him and Eiffel and Edison and um, um, Tesla. Tesla. Uh, so mm-hmm. that's why it is kind of you know a reference to a lot of Disney rides, but specifically yeah the, you know the um I think it was definitely trying to call out the because it's a uh, part of the the French Tomorrowland which is actually called Discovery Land, and mm-hmm. it's really a lot cooler than our Tomorrowland mm-hmm. or like Florida's Tomorrowland sure. or anything. Um, but yeah, I just I I loved all the just kind of like the little things and the world building and it's like yeah it is this kind of like secondary interesting world where it is really hopeful i liked kind of the interesting unique dynamic that like george clooney had with athena where it's like you know he's kind of like been jaded and then it's like this person from his past comes back and he's just like ah she like betrayed me and like you know like when i was a kid i had all these feelings for her and like she tricked me but he's kind of he's starting to kind of see that optimism again and when she sacrifices herself for him at the end like it it really got to me um overall though yeah just really great movie um, something else really cool that is just kind of random that I want to point out. Um, and I mentioned, you know, at the beginning, like I wanted to make a point of noting that Jeff Jensen um, worked on this movie because Jeff Jensen actually has a really interesting, cool relationship with Damon Lindelof because he was like the guy who was like the main Lost guy. Like every week when Lost would come out, he he was a columnist for Entertainment Weekly and he would write these like really in-depth reviews and theories and stuff. And like... You know, over the years of him doing that, him and Damon Lindelof kind of like had a really interesting back and forth. And because of that, he got brought on to do this um, and work with Brad Bird and Lindelof. And then, you know, he would eventually go on to um, co-create Watchmen with Lindelof. Like he was one of the main guys who did um, Damon Lindelof's uh, Watchmen miniseries, which is also fucking great. And, you know, everybody should check that out. Oh, hell yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah and yeah uh, sergio did you want to yeah so i think since you guys uh all touched base on it at one point i'll start off with the talking about the world building well really well there's two things one one that sticks out is that it's called tomorrowland and it's about getting to tomorrowland and fixing it and you see it throughout the movie but it's not the entire movie a lot of the movie takes place on our earth our planet and so it's it's very adventurous. You don't really quite know exactly where they are in the world. You're they're but, in Cape Canaveral. Oh yeah, Cape Canaveral. Okay. Uh, so yeah, and so they're in Cape Canaveral. So it's uh, it, Tomorrowland is, is it does get described a lot. You do see it in all of its wonderment. But what makes this movie different from other um, movies that we've covered in this series is you have these big imaginative worlds right um but usually in movies like this they're getting basically explained to you the audience by the characters what makes this movie uh different from those and much more watchable for me is that you have a character like casey who is very relatable 
and she's also ex- um, experiencing this world for the first time too. So as these characters are explaining it to her, you're also learning about it. It doesn't feel like, oh, these characters are just kind of, they everything they already know everything and we're just like going wow cool this is awesome she's also in the same boat with us too and she she's amazed by everything that we're seeing and she's also a very relatable pilot for the the film's themes too so yeah going back to like what alan said it did have that kind of uh disney magic it is it deals with a lot of optimism and pessimism and hope and hope very you know keep moving forward mutants type beat mm-hmm. yeah so it did it, for a movie like that where it's it, the theme is so simple it does touch base on a lot of things it covers it has actually has a quite a bit of um like socio-political commentary in it mm-hmm. in terms of you know what happens in tomorrowland and what tomorrowland's position the whole thing about the end of the world consumerism uh culture politics economics things like that it, it, it comments on all of that surprisingly just like oh sh- i was not expecting this from a movie like this and it's got you know george clooney in it and he fights house in the end and house yeah it's a lot of it is in that final speech that house yeah, house exactly. that he gives at the end and it's like it does have it does give some perspective to um what he what he's doing and what he believes in where it's the whole thing of we have to keep this closed from the the general public really like from normal people essentially because they'll destroy it and you know things like that it's it's commentary and it does it really well so it's it's things like that i think that make this movie different it's it's it actually, despite the the giganticness of the world that it's presenting to you, it also has a dilemma and it has commentary and it has a um, has really good characters. <laughs> I love the um, the relationship between uh, you know Frank, Athena, and Casey. They uh, it was really enjoyable seeing the three of them have scenes together and just how they um clash how their characters clash and it, it was of course just really cool seeing things very creative sort of for for example the um yeah the the setup for tomorrowland the history the background it does get into the lore a little bit of the original four uh, uh jules verne it does pay a lot of homage to jules verne especially with the scene with the eiffel tower that part was really cool so this movie does have a lot of imagination in it, despite the fact that its presentation is a little bit on the smaller scale at times, except for the parts where it really wants to show you. I think that's another thing, too, is it it knows how to show restraint a little bit because it's not constantly bombarding you with the bigness of the world. It's It shows restraint, and that's the way it wants it to. Uh, that's the That's how they want to present the world to you because that's how the um the world in the film presents itself to someone like casey it's supposed to be like this giant flash of but it's just a preview so it's it's really supposed to be a preview of what is to come and that's what i really like about it it shows restraint and it knows what to show and what not to show Mm -hmm. so yeah i i like how 
I like how this movie it's it's it while it does have the pieces of a standard big giant world movie it has those little things where it's like yeah there's some talent behind this there's some talented screenwriters and directors that know what they're doing and they they know what to do and what not to do what to show and what not to show that make this movie um very very watchable compared to others that we're we're going to be doing <laughs> yeah <laughs> so, no yeah. spoilers well, I, 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 I totally I totally agree with the restraint. I think um, I, I liked I liked that aspect of it because um, I mean all the other ones we've seen, they're big, big CGI fuckfest kind of thing. Well, this one kind of like took its time. It, run, it reminded me a lot of this novel called um, Nosferatu, that's uh, by Joe Hill, and that book is like huge. It's like an eight hundred, almost nine hundred page book, and like it keeps talking about this whole place called Christmas Land and. And like it, it kind of just keeps talking about it and it sets it up and it gives you a little bit of world building. And then finally, around the end of the world, uh, the end of the book, you kind of get to this big climax where you finally get to see Christmas land. And, and with this, it kind of it, it felt like that where there was that restraint of like, hey, you know, we get you're here to see Tomorrowland, but hey, let, let, let's let's tease you a little bit. Let's talk about like the com- like the commentary too. That was like the social commentary. I was blown away what blown away by because i was like wow this is a, a disney movie i wouldn't expect that i kind of expect it to be more like pirates or something where it just <laughs> it gets straight into the action and it's like yeah. hey cgi fuck fest and everything but no dude I, I agree with that 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 was that was pretty dope i like that yeah and i think that's why it honestly might not have it because it was a lost a lot of money um at the box office, mm. it didn't do. It was pretty down the middle with critics. Like it has a fifty percent on Tomatoes, and I think that what you guys are describing is probably why, because it does on the surface look like you know this kind of like big, like crazy, like over the top movie. But then it is like a lot more thoughtful than it would seem when it like has one scene where it's like you know Ke- Keegan Michael Key is like a robot and going crazy. But then it also is like yeah, this is kind of like all this stuff like about like you know about the rich getting richer and like trying to keep the you know everyone else down and keeping all the technology to themselves and like all the kind of advancements and not for the common people so it does have a really interesting mix of that kind of stuff and i think maybe audiences and critics weren't sure how to take it or how to view it and i think that's why it kind of got the unfortunate reception that it did when it deserved a lot better 50% 50% dude I am shocked by that, yeah, that yeah. that's a good like 75 80% yeah like, I, I, you know. I loved it yeah so let me get started um mm. so what I I was with this movie since the beginning of, of yeah. its conception essentially where they had a special like preview um, at Disneyland, and they they gave out those pins. They're kind of a variant of the pin. There's two different types of pins, but they gave one type of pin. Um, and yeah, I was in love with it since since that beginning. I think it was the scene. Um, dang, I kind of can't remember. I think it was when um, Frank and Frank's house gets you know um, attacked. That was the scene that they they kind of previewed, and. This movie rep- essentially, in its core, represents so much of what Walt Disney's voice was. And um, I know, like, 
um, Derek, you didn't, you said that you didn't really wouldn't have expected Brad Burr and didn't David Lindelof to like mesh so well, but I totally understand it completely because Brad Burr is, is such a envisionary kind of person himself. Like if he, if like, I've like heard like him talk about things and he is, and that team totally made sense to me. And Brad Burr kind of like is, he brought, all of the Disney mythos because he's a really big Disney nerd. So this was essentially what Tomorrowland in this movie was essentially what Walt Disney had envisioned when he created Disneyland, even with this kind of like communal place where, um, you know, technology, that's what, that was what birthed Tomorrowland was that he, um, wanted to display and get all these people together, like the brightest minds to like kind of present what um, the future could be and kind of provide this optimism to um, people and to spread this optimism of, yeah, the great, big, beautiful tomorrow. And this movie essentially represents Walt Disney at its core. And for me, like that, it's just such a great movie and yeah i don't i think if it had come if it if it come if it came out today especially with david lindelof's like um interpretation of of watchmen and showing that like you know things just don't don't have to be grandeur and they could be drawn out and things like that it might be recepted a bit better um but yeah i mean like like I, i've said before in um our other podcasts in in my podcast you've never seen um when it comes to george clooney all it takes is a really good director and a really good script and he could just knock it out of the park he's just like be can become one of the greatest actors and with this he just like encapsulates so easily like this man that's you know disgruntled and was a dreamer and like just his lost hope because you know like his own machine like and he feels guilt too because like his machine kind of put this in motion kind of stopped Tomorrowland in its tracks in a way and then yeah like even Hugh Laurie's character like you understand and you he to me he's not like he is a bad guy but you he's an understandable bad guy and that's like the perfect the best bad guy in my opinion where he he himself was once a dreamer too like even he you know he believed in tomorrowland he believed in the future of humans and that's why he in the beginning he was recruiting people himself um but and but when he lost hope in humanity because once they were shown this future, they just accepted it. And that's kind of like, yeah, like with the social commentary of what's going on nowadays is like, even especially with this year, is that like <laughs> coming to a point where we're kind of like accepting things and just accepting, you know, bad things happening and stuff like that when when we shouldn't be looking at that. We should be looking at like the great things that happen. Like speaking of which with Disney, like um a whole community created a musical out of uh for ratatouille that actually ended up being very incredible and like just um like it's just there's there's this other side that yeah like it just sucks that negativity gets brought to the surface where you know all this positivity could like you know like can can rise up and make things 
and has the potential of making things better and just like yeah I, I mean this is definitely one of my favorite movies of all time and i definitely agree that for our big swings this is definitely more of the fairly underrated of our 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 movie choices for big swing month um but yeah i mean it's just a beautiful movie that if you're a disney buff like myself like you just see and especially like if you've seen like the the pictures that that Disney and his Imagineers um, had created for Disneyland, specifically um, Tomorrowland, you would totally just recognize every all these moments of this movie. You know, like mm-hmm. yeah, for sure. It was definitely, definitely total nostalgic, nostalgic for me too, because you know the pin. I, I worked at Disney like a long time ago, but I, I kind of da- like they threw me around and. When I when I worked in Tomorrowland, you know, I, I didn't work at Tomorrowland Terrace, but I think at Pizza Port. But you would see people with the, yeah, the logo. It was right. It that. was at the Honey Shrunk the Kids um, Theater. Mm-hmm. That's where that's where they they showed the preview, and that's where you would get the pin. So so yeah, definitely yeah. Um, but yeah, no. And then I don't want to go. Um, I don't want to not mention that they they are one of the. One, they are the only film I think to ever film in Disneyland. So they're the beginning in the in the oh yeah in the opening scene with with young Frank. Um, they ride um, small. It's a small world which um, famously was premiered at the the World's Fair in um, Chicago, mm-hmm. uh, right? Yeah, um, in Chicago, and um, they yeah they physically went to disneyland and and went on um it's a small world and and wrote in like kind of like you know kind of closed it i think they did it like extremely early before the the um the park didn't, opened but yeah that's really shoot, it's small didn't they shoot um uh saving mr banks at disneyland oh yeah they did okay yeah okay and then there, there was, was the also movie. escape from tomorrow which was like like shot at Disneyland secretly and like yeah, no, but a piece of shit, but yeah, uh, officially. I was like, to watch it just out of curiosity. First, yeah, this was the first one to. So that yeah. was like big news. Also, when it first came out, was that it's the first movie to film in Disneyland. Um, but yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's just it's just if you are a Disney fan of you know this is like definitely a movie for you. What were you saying though, Alan, about like you when you were working there? Oh yeah, like just it just made me feel nostalgic because like at, sometimes I'd work at Tomorrowland and you know everyone's wearing the costumes and you know I go to costuming and you see all the different costumes of all the different lands and everything and I, I had worked at Pizza Port a couple of times but it was right nearby Tomorrowland Terrace. You would see that big T logo and stuff and like when I was watching the movie, I was like. Hey, like that's so cool. like I don't know. It just felt like I was like, hey, like I, I feel a part of it somehow because I'd worked there. And like I'm on, honestly like when you work there, there there are people like who love Disney that much that that work there. That like the Imagineers, they just go far and beyond where they're like, I wanna, I wanna make people feel this happiness here at Disney. Like it's it's pretty cool. And it, like even working there, like but I mean, people have their own with working there but being backstage and seeing all the stuff like all that magic kind of happened it's pretty cool and like i like what they they kind of did with this movie they were trying to like 
give that magic as well. Like, hey, like check this out. Like, you've been to Tomorrowland, you know, you've gone to Disneyland or well, Disney World or whatever. So yeah. it was just cool. Like, it was just cool to see. Yeah, and I mean, like I said, like this encapsulates the mythos that Walt Disney tried to bring with his movies and uh, with his company. Essentially, is that he wanted to like, like Alan said, he wanted to create this the magic for people. He wanted to inspire people and and you know, you know, bring forth in in Tomorrowland like the genius that that human beings are capable of. You know. But definitely like like and Casey kind of like embodies that too in a way where she she's incredibly smart, but she is always open to learning more and but not in like a way that's like like demeaning of the person that's teaching her. She or you know, like if it, like when she was being presented all these things, like she was just absorbing it instead of just like questioning it, like you know, like some scientists do or tend mm-hmm. to do, you know. Yeah, she she wa- wanted to get knowledge, not to prove herself right, or but mm-hmm. to like for the actual like you know wanting to learn more. You know, she was and uh, she was you know very much for she's very op- optimistic and like you know she didn't want her like uh, Cape Canaveral to close down. Like she wanted she like she was kept you know delaying it and stuff like that. And you can you can really see the passion that Brad Bird and Dame Lindelof had when they were making this for the movie itself and for all the stuff that they were paying homage to. And a lot of that's the thing. The one of the main things I love about these big swing movies is that they are such works of passion that they're not like cheap cash grabs by people like the people making them. They really, they really do like care about it. And they have this, like when they get these huge budgets to like tell this grand scale movie, it's, it's amazing to just kind of see these people's just like passions come up and you do often see like, you know, creators will make something, they'll get their big break. And a lot of these um, big swings are these kind of these filmmakers make something and then they kind of get a blank check to just be like, all right, just go hog wild, make whatever the fuck you want. Because, you know, Brad Bird, he makes the Incredibles, then he makes Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol. And he's like hot shit at this point. So he's like, okay, cool. I want to make this weird sci-fi movie when I'll get Damon Lindelof to write it. And they're like, all right, here's a, you know, like blank check. Like, you know, like this is a really good podcast um, called blank check that Griffin Newman does where he kind of talks about a lot of these movies. And I'll, you know, I'll, some, I'll just, I'll mention some other movies that I feel like are similar, you know, like keeping with Pixar, you know, after Andrew Stanton made finding Nemo and Wally, he, they were like, okay, his blank check or his big swing movie was, um, uh, Oh my gosh, why am I spacing on it? Um, Andrew Stanton, John Carter. Um, and then, mm-hmm. you know, you mm-hmm. have uh, some like Ava DuVernay. Uh, she was the first uh, black woman to ever have her movie nominated for Best Picture um, with Selma. And then she gets a wrinkle in time. Or the Wachowskis, they are like the, the, the masters of this. You know, after they made their Matrix trilogy, all of their movies have been big swings. You've got, bit, you've got mm-hmm. Speed Racer. You've got Jupiter Ascending. You've got Cloud Atlas. You know, all three mm-hmm. of those movies are big swings. So it's, you know, and it's a shame that big swings tend to lose money at the box office. I, for, I forgot that like, we were kind of talking about how none of them get sequels last time. But the only one I think that's ever gotten a sequel would probably be have been Pacific Rim. 
but it is just really nice to see like yeah you've got this money you can have you have this huge blank check to just kind of make whatever interesting big weird stuff you uh, and then you could just their hearts all in it Mm -hmm. just the the passion just really comes through with these movies and tomorrowland is a prime example of that yeah and it's unfortunately like uh, oh go ahead um it also falls victim to like what we've mentioned before with live action Disney movies like Pete's Dragon and then um oh my gosh I'm blinking on other we've we've discussed other Disney live action movies but it's kind of like sucks and I'm hoping that it's going to change especially with with Disney Plus um Disney Plus like a uh, 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 material coming out that usually their live Disney's live action movies don't tend to fare as well as their animated movies and it it kind of like falls into that mentality of you know like oh well they're they they're an animation studio but when you know like actually like all there's like a bunch of disney live action movies that you know are incredible and have incredible writing that are like like with brad bird is essentially the same writers as your favorite animated movie so you know this movie is going to be great too and like you know you guys you people i'm hoping that the general public will take that leap and like be more become more accepting of disney live action movies than like pushing them to the wayside mm-hmm. oh i completely agree i mean i i was just going to mention uh tron legacy i mean it's yeah, exactly technically it's a it's a sequel but and it's still a big swing but I'm not gonna say that movie has like exquisite writing, but that movie is stunning. Like that movie, you can tell at least they try to give as much and love the as second, they could like, to the visuals both of them and, and have like incredible world hot, building. Big swing. You know? Oh yeah, like so, definitely. Yeah. And then there's Daft Punk and Trung Legacy. Like, yeah. like they went out of their way. They're like, we want this to feel like even Daft Punk themselves are like, our one of our favorite films is Tron, and they're like, hell yeah, we want to jump in and and do the music for the sequel. And like that one, I mean, obviously it doesn't fit the criteria because it's technically a sequel to the original. But like that movie, like I kind of even felt uh, with uh, Flynn's son in Tron, Tron Legacy, mm-hmm. I felt like his characterization was kind of similar to Casey in this one. Like in the mm-hmm. beginning, they're both trying to like Destroy, stop something like, from the, like changing, yeah. like kind of mm-hmm. yeah, like they're like yeah. no, like this is what you know we're trying to do and everything, like stop this. But yeah, like, like that anarchy. that movie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, but again, like the characters still try to learn more, you know. Like Flynn's son is like as smart as he is, and like he figures out how to go to the grid and etc. etc. But I mean, yeah, like that—that's one movie definitely where I felt like they they put in a lot of heart and effort for for fans to come watch, and I think it did fairly okay. It did, it did all right, yeah, like, it, yeah. It, it's honestly- it's kind of like um along with r- the first Tron, kind of like fallen into that um pop culture like kind of like cult classics cult classic yeah yeah. but and then like that's that's the show continue to show like disney's kind of like i mean you know they are one of the most um you know prosperous companies in the world like they should they should be doing this and should be supporting it's it's just like it's nice to see that that disney does support creativity of these like you know like people that come up and like you 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 hear stories of like Pixar 
you know, Pixar animators and storytellers and writers that, you know, come and like they, as they prove themselves, they are given more and more chances, more and more chances until, you know, you get, you get like a, uh, I don't want to say Wally because Wally is one of the originals, but you get like an inside out or, you know, um, one of the, the creator of the short Luna. La Luna is now going to have his own movie because he's kind of like built up, built up, built up. And it's like, yeah, it's very like, it's a nice thing to see that Disney is, um, feeds that kind of creativity and, and stuff. Yeah. And I was just going to say on like the Tron legacy thing, that was one of the movies when I was like first kind of, you know, ruminating about this idea of big swings, I was going to include it. And I kind of like, didn't include, I kind of have up, had that caveat of like, they can't be, um, Part of an existing franchise because of movies like Tron Legacy, because that movie did make a lot of money. Um, and I was like, okay, like the movies like this and Pirates end up making a lot of money, probably because like Tron Legacy is a sequel to a cult classic, but it does, you know, all the same kind of things that a movie like this does, but it does have that advantage of being like people grew up on Tron and they, they love Tron, you know, like Daft Punk did. Um, and because, like, like, interestingly, it it had almost the same budget and made almost the same mo- amount of like, if you look at all the movies that are like big swings, but are like part of a franchise, like Tron legacy or like pirates, of the Caribbean or like Aquaman is another one. Um, they though, all, all, all of them Tron made le- legacy made the least amount of money. And if you look at all the ones that aren't sequels that are part of a film franchise, Pacific Rim made the most money and they're pretty comparable. So like the, like the one that is a sequel, made the least that made the least is about on par with the one that isn't a sequel that made the most. So that's why I feel like they, that I needed to make that kind of distinction um, because yeah, Tron legacy would be right up there with the movie like Tomorrowland, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So thank you everyone for joining us on this discussion. Um, thank you for, I hope that you do go and, and watch Tomorrowland or spread the word of how great Tomorrowland is because it does need to come back and become, and <laughs> become a noticeable movie. Let's in the get Disney. it on Disney plus. And yeah, it's going to be on Disney. Plus. Coming, yeah. It's July. September. I think September, September. Uh, yeah, yeah. September. Yeah, yeah. It's licensing. Hopefully this is the last thing. Then we'll, you know, Disney plus will be ongoing. Um, I, I but, still remember last year, I was like, we, we got Disney Plus, and obviously we're, we're, we watched Mandalorian and all that, and like we were watching all our favorite Disney animated films, and I was like, yo, let's watch fucking Tomorrowland, and this was like, no, I, I think what, Disney Plus dropped, what, Disney Plus dropped like 2019, right? Yeah, 2019. Yeah. yeah. And we're like, let's watch Tomorrowland, and I would search Tomorrowland, and it's like, It'll be available September 2021. And I was like, what the fuck? That's like five years away. Wow. Uh, yeah, yeah. same exact thing. Like, I was just like, oh, I'm going to finally watch this movie that I've been yeah. wanting to watch. Brad Bird, Damon Lindelof, Disney Plus, click. It's not going to be on here for two years. Fuck you. Great. Legit. I was like, are you fucking. I get it's Tomorrowland, bro, but not that far tomorrow. Even me, like, even me, like, right now, like, um, when I went to go and, because, yeah, I did check Disney Plus. Um, first and then yeah it said that i'm like but how <laughs> like how is it not yeah, and stuff. yeah i, I thought this was all settled i thought they got everything now but no i know i guess there's a few stragglers i don't even want to ask yeah. who owns the rights currently right now but i just remember it's it, sling. 
Oh, some oh reason, my God. Reason, Hustling, it's like, that's like, that's like, well, man, whenever well, I watch next a movie, movie it's just always for, just for fucking context, Sling. Just for context, our next movie was on Sling as well, which is, I've never heard of Sling, yeah. but. It's, it's fucking expensive. It's like 50 bucks a month. Yeah, it's, I mean, really? it's, it's basically, it's like yeah. cable. It's like. You, yeah, it's you like, get, like a bunch of regular channels. It's like, it's like oh. cable for. Oh it's gosh. like a cable. Okay. Yeah, it's Westerners. Because I got, I had like the trial for like a week because I was like wanting to watch football, and I was like, "This is fucking stupid." I wonder if I checked. <laughs> I don't think I did check our cable. I don't think it was a bad Yeah, one. like uh, I'm not gonna lie. Almost every single film that we, we review and watch, mm-hmm. if I go on the because Derek gave us a website called JustWatch.com and. And you can put in what you what you watch, and it'll show you the streaming services where you can watch for free or watch for uh, renting or buying or whatever. Hands fucking down, like ninety nine percent of every film we want to watch is on fucking Sling. And then finally one day, I was like telling my girlfriend, I was like, "Okay, every film we have to watch is on Sling." I was like, "Let me see how much it is. I'm gonna fucking pay for it." And it's like fifty five dollars a month. And I was like, "Go fuck yourself, Sling." Wow. <laughs> Thank you, everybody, for joining us. Um, we have a, f- a few other podcasts that are uh, we have now because um, we're expanding. Um, so we have um, my my podcast called "You've Never Seen," where I um, I, I tell somebody you know to watch a movie that they've never seen, but it's considered a movie of. That's considered to be a part of pop culture or cinematic history or ones that I'm just shocked that they've never seen. So there's one that's coming out that I am just shocked that they've never seen. It's not really like a part of pop culture, but that's going to be in a few months. It comes out at at the first. uh, Which one is it? uh, I can't remember it right now. (laughs) Talk about a... Star Wars. The one that just came out, Train Spotting? No, no, no. Train Spotting is one that's part of pop culture history but there is one that's coming up where i just wanted to i can't remember what it is but um but yeah there's one that's coming up that i should like yeah i'm just i want that person to see it i can't remember what it is (laughs) but um anyway derek has a somewhat similar um podcast but in the tv realm where he introduces somebody to a tv show with a single episode of a gateway episode so to say and the, the podcast is called Gateway Episode. Yep. So for mine, look for the screaming woman in green. Um, and for Derek's, look for the white archway. And with that, thank you everybody for listening. Thanks for being amazing. Yep. Yeah, thank thanks. you so much, guys. Take it easy. Bye. Yeah, thanks, guys. And uh, check out, I've got a... Uh post that I wrote about Big Swings on Medium, so go check that out too if you guys want to hear more about this. Uh, thank- I'll see you guys. I almost said thanks for being amazing shit. <laughs> I'll see you in another life, to quote Damon Lindelof. Thanks for being amazing. See you guys in another life. <laughs> Bye. 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 Yo, listen to Daft Punk. That was see the Tron Legacies. Wow! 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 Wow!